David, I have a little commercial to play here at the beginning of this episode, which some old farts like us might remember. And there were a bunch of these commercials, so I had to just pick one. But here's a 30-second little... I was going to say deja vu, but it's more reminiscence, nostalgia. Uh. Here we go. Are we ready? Let's do it. Butter. What? Butter. What? Butter. Don't mess with me. You're Parquet Marjorie. But butter. I said Parquet, come here. Uh-oh. You're smooth. You're creamy. You taste like butter. You're butter. Parquet, sir. Parquet, <laughs> sir. At the end, it's uh, Deacon Jones, football player in that one. So Parquet, right? Was, oh was my being, God, uh, he was being a little nervous because it's he's telling Deacon Jones that he's really not butter, but he doesn't want to hurt his feelings or make him mad. It's like seventy, seventy-one. Oh it had to God, be. Yeah. yeah. What the hell are we talking about? As usual. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We'll get into that, folks. First of all, maybe we should reveal the title of the show, even though you know the title, as always, when you're listening, before we reveal it. Mm. Right? Uh, We had, by the way, we spent 30 minutes (laughs) talking about various titles for this show. They were all equally apropos, but we ended up with Parquet. Yes, anchors and parquet. (laughs) An anchor being something that ties you to security, reality, knowledge, whatever. The church being an anchor in people's lives, according to good old Gordon Hinckley and many others. Parquet being a substitute for reality. It's actually margarine. Never mind the whole story behind margarine, which was originally created as cheap chicken feed. And then somebody discovered, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Never try to drop anchor with butter on your hands, let alone parquet. No kidding, right? And if you believe parquet is butter, you believe incorrectly. I guess you're probably getting the point here. So let's start, mon frere, with a little bit of LDS Church in the Jana Rice, if that's how you pronounce your name, our favorite person. This is in the Tribune. (laughs) Dear LDS parents, it's not just your children who are leaving church. No. In the next Mormons, I noted that the 2016 Next Mormon survey found sky-high belief in God among young adults who identified themselves as members of church. But that other markers of religiosity, is that even a word? Yeah, it is. <laughs> like weekly church attendance and adherence to the word of wisdom were low compared to earlier generations. Oh, God is more important than pot? What? What? No. Wait, did I misunderstand? Right. So what's more, says Rice, the statistics showed that more young adults were leaving the church. Data supported by national studies from Pew and the General Social Survey... Aggregated through 2016. 
the excellent okay so the pew survey showed 64 percent retention for all ages of mormons were and this is in 2014 the general social survey showed 57 percent retention for millennials and generation x mormons combined together she says the excellent new book back pocket god religion and spirituality in the lives of emerging adults gives some additional context for this one of the helpful aspects of the book is that it covers the whole gamut of religious identities and experiences. And when you look at the bigger picture, a retention rate of 6 in 10 is actually quite good. Yeah, it, it would be good. 60%, yeah. Yeah. This is what I try to explain to Latter-day Saint parents. Sometimes they write to me brokenhearted that their children aren't active in the church anymore. Sometimes they blame themselves. Where they want to know, did they go wrong? Did they not hold family home evenings often enough? Were they too they didn't lax? beat them enough. You need to beat those little fuckers. Well, you need to remind them. Yeah, you need to tie a chain around their neck and anchor them. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, were they too lax about allowing their kids to attend a state university instead of church-owned Brigham Young University? <laughs> Was it because their oldest son didn't serve a mission? On and on and on. It's not that those religious acts and habits are irrelevant for successful religious transmission. Family influence is still hands down the number one factor in transmitting religious faith in an enduring way, but in our current religious climate, it's often not enough. You mean the actual reality of a church's history could have an impact on these kids and the fact that it's easier to find than ever just by doing a quick search on your mobile device? Hmm. So I saw another picture, you know how my mind works while you were talking about mm -hmm. the parents putting it on themselves, that it's their fault. Their children have gone astray. Mm -hmm. It And that is one of those uh, weed and feed devices that where you spray seed all over the lawn. And so the church has got one of those and it's spraying these seeds all over. And you, you never know what you got till it starts to grow. And once it does, it's guilt. That's it. They're <laughs> spreading guilt. It seems like everywhere and anywhere they can, mm -hmm. their main harvest that shows their success is if you're guilty. Do you feel like shit oh, in good. any aspect of your life? And if you don't, what are you doing wrong? And you should feel, feel guilty about that as well. <laughs> You should feel guilty that you're not feeling guilty. Yes. <laughs> That's terrific. Yes. Um, Rice's conclusion, I disagree with here. She says at the very end of her article, one approach helps them to understand that what they're experiencing with their kids is part of a massive social trend and not just the result of their personal failings. So... Great. That's true, I'm sure. And we've talked before about the fact that society to in an, general is yeah, to leaving. A, to an extent. To an leaving extent, religion, course. right? Whatever. Yeah, society yeah. is becoming more secular. It's leaving religion, especially in certain countries, which are, well, you know. Satan reigns in the hearts of men. I mean, that's it. Well, I would argue, and I don't think she really brings it up in here, that the biggest reason for a lot of the younger generation leaving the church is they're finding things that weren't readily available when we were that age that are online, easy to see and read and listen to, watch videos on, you name it. And these are things that show them the real history of the church. The real narrative, if you will, doesn't match what they were taught. 
another factor, and I'm sure this is the case with a lot of these young kids, the emptiness of religion, let alone Mormonism, there's nothing gained. They're not being fed. They're not being fulfilled. It's a fucking hollow shell. And so why am I involved? So, yeah, at least a couple things going on there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I completely agree. So that's LDS Church in the News. Dave, before we jump into my next and favorite segment, we're going to play a little clip here from a movie that many of our listeners will recall. And this drives a little bit to the point that we're going to be talking about today. Let's take a listen here. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you I mad. love it, love it. Uh, it is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window, or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Oh, God. (laughs) That epitomizes the essence in a very real way of everything Michael and I are doing through this podcast and ensuing podcasts that will include skewed minds. What the fuck is really going on? Mm -hmm. Because what you think is real, my friend, z friends is an illusion and never more so than with the LSD. I'm sorry, the LDS church. (laughs) It's not a coincidence that a little slip of the tongue produces hallucinogenics. Yes, David. And on that note, we would like to have a little more information. And so we'd like to jump into for your information. 
We are traveling through the illusion of time. <laughs> Speaking of illusions. Uh, and where did we drop off? Drop off? Oh, I'm still thinking about anchors. Dropping anchors. Um, 1931. So things are getting really interesting with employment and mm. so forth as far as national history goes. There were a lot of things created throughout the Great Depression. It's a very interesting fact of history. Mm -hmm. Many huge projects were completed, dams built, huge buildings. I find that very interesting, and it speaks to the drive within men, where many did give up. Many did jump out of the window at the top story of the building. Right. Many did not. Many hunkered down and said we're gonna make it we're gonna do this okay on and on let's see 1931 january 13th this not even that interesting deseret club is organized at ucla as church's first social organization for lds college students outside utah the current organization in lds students association is ldssa so again there's always a need for Latter-day Saints to socialize with pretty much just other Latter-day Saints. Even yeah. though it's not described that way, that's what it was. You don't want to run with that crowd. You want to be with your own kind. Mm. Okay. Because that's harmless. Okay. All right. April 7th, First Presidency instructs Apostle Joseph Fielding Smith and 70s president B.H. Roberts. Like it. Like this. The subject of the pre Adamites is not to be discussed in public by the brethren, either for or against the theory. <laughs> the pre Adamites. Wow. The pre Adamites, as the church has not declared itself and its attitude on the question Doesn't God have an answer? <laughs> To that question, fucking attitude. So the answer to huge questions like, for instance, were there people before Adam and Eve? Hello, go forth and replenish the earth. It sounds like there was somebody there before. No, don't talk about it. Don't voice your view one way or the other because we don't know what our attitude is is yeah. on that. What is our attitude? <laughs> you know, the little interesting tidbit that was referenced in biology class at BYU when I went there by a certain couple of professors who got in trouble, <laughs> who were LDS, who were teaching that the theory of evolution was true. <laughs> Uh-oh. Harkened all the way back to that time period and, and a little earlier in the church. This is why these conversations were happening. There was a concept, a theory that evolution potentially existed. And so Adam's parents would have been almost perfectly human. <laughs> <laughs> and so you had these almost human people, and then finally Adam was born, and God was like, whoop, I'm sending Adam's spirit into him, and he'll be the first oh, man. It was, yeah, pretty fucked up. Anyway. It's the best we can do. Yeah. We're true. just gods. And <laughs> we're, we're limited in our limitless power. 
What? Yes. Okay, Why? hang okay. on. <laughs> okay, you're going to love this one. I have read dozens of statements from uh, priesthood leaders in the LSD, uh, LDS church yes. that contradict one another, <gasps> including the following. April 2nd, Heber J. Grant launches a campaign against the use of tobacco as part of his emphasis on observing the word of wisdom by total abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, <laughs> tea, and coffee. Okay, and here's his friend, <laughs> compadre, May 5th. Oh, it took him a while to think about it. Apostle Stephen L. Richards tells the first presidency in Quorum of the Twelve that he will resign as apostle rather than apologize for his general conference talk, which says church is putting too much emphasis on the word of wisdom. <laughs> Oh my God. What the fuck is going on here? Wow. Are, wait, do you pray to the same God I pray to? Or, I mean, what? Well, Dave, I just for the hell of it, I tried to pray to that same God the other day just to see if I would get any kind of a response. And, and? well, as I sat and pondered for a second, <laughs> that's all I heard. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Cluck you, Michael. Cluck you. It reminds me of a stupid joke, which I won't share because I'm sure the audience would yeah, think we're even lamer than Okay. We now, God damn it, I'm going to have to get serious now. Oh, oh, okay. And that's not our style. <laughs> but this is timely. Another example of a moment in history in the past that matches the present day. Hmm. Okay. I changed my demeanor just like. In the LDS church, you can just flip a switch. Heber J. Grant writes, It makes one's heart ache to see so many people who are willing to work and cannot find positions. The Great Depression hits Utah particularly hard mm. because it's agriculturally based primarily. I empathize. It's destroying people. Hmm. mentally, not yeah. just physically, not just, I can't pay the rent. I can't pay the bills. No, it, it I think the, the mental part of that has got to be uh, psychologically just damaging. My God, I don't tough. know what I would do if I wasn't working. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's pretty tough. I went through that twice in my life in one after the whole nine 11 thing. And then again in Oh eight alongside a lot of other people. And it's tough, man. It's really tough when you want to work, you want to contribute, you want to put yourself, you know, to good use as well as earn your pay, so to speak. Right. And there's something about the freedom and the liberating experience of doing that. And providing for yourself, so to speak, even though a lot of that is illusory based on our currency system in the world. But yeah, that's a whole other side another, topic. Another podcast for but sure. Anyway, man, yeah. So it's, just it's a, a statistic here. And again, we're in 1932. Mm. Some urban stakes, 60% of previously employed Mormons are without jobs. Wow. So, 
God and damn. that was across the board. It didn't yeah. matter your religious affiliation. Yeah. I'm going to finish with, with our friend again, Brigham Roberts. Love it. B.H. Roberts, senior 70s president and assistant church historian, writes a complaint about censorship. Oh. This is so, oh my God. This guy is becoming my hero. Mm -hmm. Heber J. Grant requires him to remove from a forthcoming volume of History of the Church. And we know of those. Yeah. It was seven volumes. Yeah. Entitled History seven. of the Church yep. by B.H. Roberts. Mm -hmm. What is he removing? The statement of Brigham Young that the 70s are ordained apostles. Now, here's the comment. I... I desire, however, to take this occasion of disclaiming any responsibility for the mutilating of that very important part of President Young's manuscript. Oh. Robert writes, yeah, and also to say that while you had the physical power of eliminating that passage from the history, I do not believe you had any moral right to do so. Wow. That's him talking to the president of the fucking church. Oh my God. <laughs> I love this guy. Wow. He's hey, like, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. I don't know how. I mean, that's a really weak vocabulary, but he's saying bullshit. Hey, I'm about turning... change. And th this is a huge topic oh, yeah. because that's what this whole section uh, about, you know, for your information has been centered around how the history of the church has been changed, modified. Yeah, yeah, and uh, willingly, whatever. willingly, and consciously, and specifically, like specific statements, statements that were made. Taken out, take it out. Hey, take, take it that out. out. That's embarrassing. Take that out. A prophet of God said that. Oh shit, that's not going to look good, right? And because we don't believe Whoopsie. the '70s are apostles today. Yeah, I'm going to turn the camera and the mic over to the crowd for a moment. Give BH a holler. Give, yeah, right. yeah. Thank you, BH. Love you, brother. Love you, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, good for him, right? And yet, we say again, he wouldn't dare leave the church. And not only did he not leave, he was never exed, which no, is also right? equally surprising. A, a conundrum. I mean, it's like, it really? He just told the prophet of the church, again, I... I could use some more educated words, but to fuck off. <laughs> you know? Yes. At least that he oh was extremely God. disappointed in the prophet asking him to do that. Yeah. That's yeah. That's pretty bold. Yeah. Good on you, BH. Yeah. All right, bro. Thank you. That was an interesting and climactic ending, as they say. There was a happy ending to that massage. Happy endings. I, I got to go take a shower. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Oh, Sorry, okay. guys. Sorry. <laughs> David, let's turn to another Rusty. Yes. Yes. There's more than one rest. E. More Rusty Balls. <laughs> rusty Ball. Otherwise known as More Rusty, M. Russell Ballard, M standing for more. 
Let's compare ball sacks. Oh, you've got more rust than I do. You've got more. Why aren't you the prophet? (laughs) Back in 1995, I believe. Yep. He gave a talk called Answers to Life's Questions. Hey. So let's preface some of the snippets we want to share here. We're going to share multiple snippets in our remaining time today from Rusty and from, or this is Rusty Ball, from a cheesy, typical 80s into early 90s and, you <laughs> movie, know, church when you, movie. When you, when you get on the airplane, yeah, there's a little bag uh-huh. in the back pocket of the seat in front of you yeah. in case you feel like you're going to vomit. So I'm going to grab mine right now. Okay. Just be, way before you start to play those snippets from that piece of shit thing called whatever. What is what real. What is real. Yeah. 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 So, cause I, I know I'm going to hurl. So <laughs> thank you to thank you for preparing for that. Yeah. So guys, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what is real and what the church tells you is real. And that, may seem like a huge, broad topic, and it is. And it is. It is, <laughs> but we're specifically pointing out the reality that in a ton of the topics that we've talked about, we're, what are we really talking about? We're talking about the church's concept that it instills within its members, again, from a very, very young, young age— all the way up through adulthood and beyond, right? Uh, Pretty beyond. much at, at yeah. conception. <laughs> yes. This concept of reality. What is the reality of life? Why are we really here? Who are we? Where do we come from? Well, Where are we going? just ask right. Truman because, you know, Jim Carrey. I mean, Truman. Yes. Truman, yeah. Truman knows. And we'll get he into knows. that in a second. We will. Yeah. We will. So talks have been given around the general concept, right? Not even just specific to, oh, I'm talking about the word of wisdom or I'm talking about chastity. or This general concept of answers to life's big questions. The church has these answers. It's not parquet or fake. It's real butter. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. What we're focusing on and what Rusty Ball is going to tell you here in a, a few clips is there's a concept in life that I like to phrase objective versus subjective reality. And so the way I would define that for our topic today, objective reality is if you got a million people in a room, that'd be a big room, with all sorts of IQ, (laughs) nationality, whatever, Mm. just say a bunch of different random people, right? Some smart, some not as smart, whatever. They could all agree, based on scientific exploration, discovery, study, research, experience, you know, on and on and on, that (laughs) X, Y, and Z, we are going to accept at this point in time that these are objective realities, that these are universal truths. You know, for example, to use a really simple example, I don't care who you are, you could be a, a master body control Buddhist monk who has... So, Sri Yukteswar, Yogananda's teacher. Yes. Uh, his name uh, Sri is just a title, Yukteswar. Yeah. I don't know his full name. Would be an example okay. of a person who upended, that's not the word I'm looking for, who defied 
laws of science as we know them as we know them with right? mental powers okay so let's take him that, that's what you're getting at there. yeah okay. as an example right kind of like the the upper echelon pinnacle of what i'm talking about all the way down to just some joe schmo on the street right who just you know whatever um, i know him yeah. one of the schmo brothers yes, yeah the I schmo know brothers yeah. that's a whole episode <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so take these people shove them both off a cliff <laughs> Okay, and let's say the cliff is a thousand feet high, and at the bottom there's spikes and rocks and broken glass and shrapnel and <laughs> whatever. My God, are we getting a peek into your mind right now, Michael? <laughs> Jesus, where All are right. you? All My right. God, and here's here is an objective reality I'm going to throw out to you. Okay, they're both going to at least get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to just throw that out there. Okay. That, uh, that, my friends. You, you've been reading books again, haven't you? I know. I'm trying to stop. That is a universal truth. Okay? Yes. I'm universal not even gonna, as yeah. compared to a personal truth, which is as... Subjective. Fleeting. fleeting yes. yes, subjective. And I think my farts smell good. But that's not the consensus. <laughs> Someone thinks I just shit my pants. <laughs> it's got this whole but I like it. It feels good. It's gushy and warm and oh, smells God. good. And... Okay, I think we're about to okay. that. Cut that so, whole fucking so scenario. Here... So... Oh, so here's the thing. Um, subjective, subjective reality is your opinion. It's based That's on your. It. It's based on your perception. Okay, and perception can be correct. Or it can be closely aligned with universal truth. It can be less closely aligned with universal truth. And guess well, what? It's okay. It, yes. It's completely colored by your own personal past experience. You make judgments on reality based on what you've experienced in the past. That's right. And so how could those ever show up at the same way between even just two people, let alone millions of people? Okay. Right, Point right. Me. So yeah. Rusty Ball is going to tell you the church's answers to some of these objective versus subjective Wait, realities. Let me get let me get a pen. Yeah. I better write this. You better write this yeah. shit down, right? Because we're doing some research here again. So here's the first concept that you have to keep in mind. The prophet Alma called the plan the great plan of happiness. It is known more commonly as the plan of salvation. It is beautiful in its simplicity to all who seek prayerfully to know and understand the true meaning and purpose of life. So there you go. Everybody can have objective, universal truth if they hmm. prayerfully— well, now you're already throwing in some subjectivity. Uh-oh. And, and the word beautiful. Beautiful right. to who? Well, right. Okay. And so— you got to prayerfully seek it. So let's introduce religion into objective reality. That's the first concept that's immediately done with the church, of course, because the church represents a religion, right? So step one is realizing that part of objective reality is religion, okay? Which is <laughs> already you're having issues there, but let's go ahead. 
And let's play yeah. a few more clips about what is this all about? The plan of happiness, right? We're not going to get into all the details of that. We are going to talk about the importance of it, etc. Let's take a little piece here. Mortality, then, is a time to test our ability to understand our Heavenly Father's plan and, of course, our willingness to be obedient. Obedience is essential to obtain exaltation and eternal life. So it's all about obedience to an unseen God. Okay, that's kind of part of the objective how, truth. How many times and how many ways has that been stated over the pulpit? I yeah, mean, it's all about obedience. Thanks, thanks for the reminder. I almost forgot. Yeah, it's we're here to be tested. Okay, so I, I hope you don't dislike tests because <laughs> that's because that's life. And that's by the way, they're pretty much pass and fail. So yeah, this, right. you know, uh, Joseph mm -hmm. talked about you can get an A, B, or a C. Or a D, yeah. or a fucking F, yeah. but but we don't really talk about that. We mostly talk about just the A plus group that, of course, includes you and me because we're so obedient, at it's, least in front of other people. Right, that's right. So this life, the objective reality is it's all a test. You're here simply to obey, and by the way, you're to obey this unseen God whom we represent. So we'll tell you what he thinks. Okay, let's go, let's go on here. Exceedingly great joy. Okay. He also taught his people, consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual. Yeah, so if you, another, oh another reality That's... of objective truth is if you obey God, you're blessed temporally and spiritually, both. Now, what what was the title of our podcast about that focused on monetary type shit? Uh, uh, so we're back to that. Again, mm. a means of judging one another, which is an aspect of it. I, I, I'm sure we brought it up. In other words, brother so-and-so makes $100,000 a year. Well, it's obvious yeah. he's more obedient. It has nothing to do with the fact uh, his background, his education, his willingness and drive to work, his responsibility, his acumen, his intellect. No, that has, no it's all about how obedient he is That's right. to God. He must be. That's why he drives yeah. the latest Cadillac and whatever. Yeah, he must okay. be more obedient than me. So this is part of the objective reality of the church, uh, the dome that is created for you. So let's Truman. go ahead, yes, and talk about, isn't it wonderful, this kind of understanding, if you understand objective truth about why you're here, who you are, what life's all about, it's going to affect everything you do, right? Obviously. So... What a wonderful, warm, and reassuring thing it is to know that the primary objective of the very God of heaven is the immortality and eternal life of man. Or in other Doesn't words... That... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Doesn't that warm you up? Well, after your it's joke... It's warm. <laughs> Warmth is a feeling. Yes, yes. So and... what... Good God. And you know... Feelings are subjective, okay? I'm not talking about physical, like someone cuts you, right? right? That's objective, but if your nerves are working correctly, right? But uh, feelings like 
internal emotional feelings are subjective, m most of them. Okay, let's... Our eternal happiness and joy. Sometimes I wonder if we really appreciate what that means and how it should no. affect our lives. We must give adequate attention to the doctrines of happiness, real happiness, <laughs> infinite oh and eternal. God. They should be the objective of everything we teach in the church and of everything we do. So there you go. The doctrines of Can happiness. Yes. That those two words, what's the what what is the word I'm looking for? Two things that are completely opposite. Uh the doctrines of happiness. Yeah, dichotomy. Yeah, yeah dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. Holy fuck. Doctrines of happiness produce happiness? Yes. Well, obedience to the doctrines oh happiness fuck, that's where i missed the boat yeah, Shit. yeah. obedience to honey, doctrine honey put that put that beer away the bishop's <laughs> coming over God, damn it. whatever uh, so if this is true where is god in the objective truth of mormonism how does he fit into our daily lives why does bad shit happen? You know, that whole thing. This all relates to life's great questions, right? Let's see what Rusty Ball has to say about that piece. No. I can understand why someone who lacks an eternal perspective might see the horrifying news footage of starving children and man's inhumanity to man and shake a fist at the heavens and cry, if there is a God, how could he allow such things to happen? Yeah, um, Hasadiga Ibowai comes to mind again. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, God. Yeah, so let's see what he says about now, that. I, I, yeah, can't, I can't wait because this yeah. is going to be so enlightening. It is, okay. right? This is part of objective truth. So let's, let's hear it. The answer is not easy, but it <laughs> isn't that complicated either. Uh, hold on a second. Okay. <laughs> I guess... Schizo fucking freak. <laughs> I guess that could be true. It's not easy but it's also not complicated okay hold on god has put his plan in motion it proceeds through natural laws that are in fact god's laws oh. since they are his he is bound by them as oh. are we uh, what what the purpose we what? may not understand the lord uh. can control the elements for the most part however he does not cause but he allows nature to run its course allows yes. so he's fucking sadistic yeah that's it yep. he's a sadistic son of a bitch who is not going to let us find a vaccine for COVID 19. he's not going to stop the massive flooding in china no. right now that is historical it's yep. unprecedented no. or any other fucking shit going on because he allows it he Oh, thank you, God. Oh, yes. I hope I fucking die at <laughs> least one of these horrible ways. Thank you. <laughs> we have to we have to remember, David, that he's bound by his own laws. Can you fucking yes. believe he said that? Yeah. Yes, I I can. Wait, there's that whole concept, wow. right? God works by laws. That's a whole podcast yeah. right there, my friend, because mm -hmm. yeah. of yeah. The, the contradictions of yes. statements. Yes. about God's omnipotence and omnipresence and so forth. And then what? He's he, got he's, he's got an anchor yes. around his ankle? What? It's around what? something. I don't know. It hurts every time he tries to yank on it. I don't know. So, let's uh let's talk. Let's let's hear a little bit more. 
Much adversity has its origin in the principle of agency. We tend to think of agency as a personal matter. Yeah, and this this is good old lizard man has some things to say about uh, moral agency, but let's let's continue here. If we ask someone to define moral agency, the answer will probably be something like this. Moral agency means I am free to make choices for myself. Often overlooked is the fact that choices have consequences. No, I didn't think also about that. that agency offers the same pri- privilege to others. At times we will be affected adversely by the way others choose to exercise their agency. Our Heavenly Father feels so strongly about protecting our agency that He allows His children to exercise it either for good or for evil. So that's another core principle in the objective truth of things that is preached in the Church. So again, this is another awesome aspect about God. Yes. Because he's, wait, not powerless. He's so powerful that he allows this because it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch my kids fuck each other over in in every way possible. Well, and and it's because I love that the idea that they, that they are expressing themselves like that. I would never take away uh, again. Okay, forget it. I yeah, don't, I can't even go there. This it's is a, a world of of oxymoronic phenomenon. Yes, let's. That's that's a good title <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about anchoring ourselves in this last quote here from Rusty Ball. <laughs> anchoring ourselves in reality. Anchoring ourselves in butter, not parquet. <laughs> <laughs> If we're anchored to the correct understanding of who we are, why we are here on this earth, and where we can go after this mortal life, Satan cannot threaten our happiness through any form of temptation. If we're determined to live by Heavenly Father's plan, we will use our God-given moral agency to make decisions based on revealed truth, not on the opinions of others or on the current thinking of the world. So. Let's capture that as an ideal last statement from him, okay? If we are anchored in what the church loves to say that they know, with a capital K, if we're anchored in this belief system, then we won't have to worry about being misled by someone else's opinion or the current thinking of the world, Right, so go on its way, on its merry way. Science, research, development, whatever it may discover or find, we don't have to believe any of that shit. It's all people's opinions. We're anchored in reality. We're anch- well, here's, and yes, he yeah. also called it revealed truth. Revealed truth. It, the entire section of our podcast called for your information, in a large extent again, has revealed to us, if you want revelation, mm-hmm. how much discord and disagreement there were among the leading figures in the church for years on many different subjects. And that's what revealed truth looks like, people. 
fucking opinions and mine's different than yours. God damn it. I'm getting mad now. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> not, not literally. I mean, I'm just, no, it's I, so it, aggravating. That's the it's thing. So aggravating. Right? So I'm going to tell you as rusty ball that for your truth to life's great questions, you don't have to rely on anybody's opinion you can rely instead on revealed truth, which incidentally is a conglomeration of a bunch of guys' opinions. <laughs> That's what we're being told here, right? So, by the way, Joseph Smith and all the people who came after him where we at least kept their truth, <laughs> in quotes, in our teachings, and we didn't abandon it like we did with some people's truth, <laughs> all that this collection of statements and beliefs and teachings that we've collected is a conglomeration of all of these guys' opinions. Those aren't opinions anymore. Those are truth. Mm, We're going to call truth. our opinions truth and everyone else's opinions subjective, right? And so what the fuck? <laughs> right? That like, was easy. That, you know, it's yeah, like that little it, button. Boing! That was easy. Yeah. I mean, he, we're, we're, folks, we're treating, we're treating subjective opinions about God and religion here as objective universal truth. You're being told to believe that. I mean, what is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints other than Joseph Smith's opinion and his belief? Six, <laughs> oh, my succeeding God. Succeeding leaders. Yeah. That, oh, that's all you've got, folks. Fuck? So take out your fucking, well, not your brain, but your mind basically just throw it away because you don't need it you're no. not going to be using that as an active member of the church they'll do all that thinking for you and it's very opinionated but it's an inspired opinion there we go that's what it is it's a revealed from truth some from fucking yeah. phantom that's floating around <laughs> near colob somewhere uh, yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah uh and he's pissed because we've been mispronouncing Kolob, just so you know. He told me the other day he's kind of pissed just off. Just another thing he's pissed about. Yeah, Damn he's it. pissed about a lot, and he's powerfully powerless. So <laughs> in the 80s, I mean, this started actually a lot earlier than the 80s, but the 80s felt like this culminating period and into the early 90s of these cheesy-ass church films <laughs> that were created that were just sappy cheesy uh, you know. demeaning very demeaning to the intelligence of anyone anyone <laughs> so there was one called what is real because that's what we're talking about is this the blue pill or the red pill is this reality or is this someone's opinion and we could take an entire second podcast on this Mon Frere, because we're, we're it, yeah, drawing it's, it's just, to the close huge. of this one, and it's absolutely huge. So I think we are going to do a part two on this and share a lot of this what is real video and talk which, about, you know, is this part K or is this Which would butter? include uh, what I briefly mentioned about the Truman Show yes. in addition to the Matrix. And the, the reason we bring those up and incorporated that into the podcast is that somewhere in the collective consciousness, somebody is aware. Mm -hmm. Not just Mikey and I, which is awesome. Uh, it's one of the great, greatest 
things in my life that I woke up to this shit. Somebody knew about this and made movies, including those two. And there's probably others, but the matrix and the Truman show mm -hmm. with Jim Carrey, where he realizes, Holy fuck. I, mean, I live in, in a, a false reality yeah. my whole life. Yeah. 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 And you know, this gets really deeply philosophical about what is really real religion and Mormonism and all this shit that's, aside. Right. That's, that's, very a little deeper. The rabbits, the rabbits don't even that, go down that, that far. Yeah, the <laughs> rabbits don't even go down that hole. Yeah, that's a different thing. We're just talking about the aspect of the Mormon truth, right? And how it's taught is objective here. And so we're going to wrap up this episode as a segue into the next part that we're going to do next week with this introduction to what is real, which is this extremely ironic title <laughs> for this for this video so let's see what the what the actor says at the beginning of this film he's walking onto a movie set here hi uh what you're looking at here is a, a movie set for the next few minutes i'd like to use all of this to to tell you a little story it's uh well it's, it's a story about a young father who's searching for some real answers for his family about the purpose of life. Now, whether or not the answers he finds are real or pretend like scenery on a stage, well, that's really up to you to decide. And there you go, my friends. <laughs> Is that ironic or what? Whether the answers he finds, which are the Mormon answers, I'm sure you can assume, right, since it's a church film, whether those answers are real or fake, like scenery on a stage, that's up to you to decide. Think about the motivation behind that. I, this is going to have to be part of next week's yeah. discussion. But why? Why is that even important? I mean, for some people, it's not. They bumble along, yeah. uh, not making fun of anyone, but they just kind of bounce around through life. And they're relatively happy. Mm -hmm. You know, the old saying of uh, ignorance is bliss kind okay. of thing. And they don't really ponder, ask those questions, get along just fine, and eat their curds and whey and sit in the corner and <laughs> just, you know what I mean, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so what is the motivation? Why is it so important for me to find out for myself? Because that's ultimately all I can't persuade. I might try, which is what the church does to persuade you to believe my version of reality. Mm. Why? Why? Because... Well, there's part two of our podcast, in part. So remember, as you're tasting the creamy, good-tasting substance that tastes like butter. Parquet. Is it really butter? Parquet. Or is it parquet? By the way, margarine is an interesting story, guys. Look that up online. <laughs> parquet. If you're a margarine eater, look up what margarine is. And where it came from. <laughs> and parquet is also a name for a type of flooring, which is faux. Fake. Yes, there you go. How faux flooring. Interesting. Parquet. Yes. And probably not too different from a molecular <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> oh, don't. 
Don't go so deep, Mike. God. Yeah, I know. I know. Man. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Love you guys. Yeah, and uh, people, yeah. let me finish. I have my little thing. This is where I was in my mind, which is very dangerous mm. to, to look at. Three people stood out in my mind this morning, thinking about the 4th of July, for one thing, and happy 4th, even though it's passed. Yeah. The 27 Club, which are a group of people who passed away at a very young age, mostly musicians. Mm -hmm. Thinking of Jimi Hendrix, a man whose music I am deeply in love with. I just love his passion and the sounds that he produced. Totally changed what an electric guitar could do. A song he wrote called Freedom. Number two, Jim Morrison. From the Doors, a band which was named from Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception. And although the path he took to look into those doors was not the one I would advise people to take, <laughs> which ultimately took his life, yeah. he knew there was something else going on. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Number three, Janis Joplin. Yeah. These are considered tragic stories because they lost their lives at such a young age. Just wrote a song called Ball and Chain. Why mm. is love such a ball and chain? And I'm not even going to pretend to fake her <laughs> amazing blues voice. Holy shit. All three of them were blues-based yeah. musicians. A ball and chain. So that's, that. again, our subject matter is the church and anchor or is it a ball and chain mm -hmm. and does it offer butter or parquet <laughs> that is the question of the and day never never try to weigh anchor with buttery fingers it doesn't work too well no <laughs> whoops all right guys see you next week when we wrap up what is real anchors and parquet <laughs> <laughs> Adios, people.